Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. This is episode 80. We have guest Debbie Bloyd, mortgage broker specialist and CEO of BLB Financial Services, joining us from Dallas, Texas to talk about the mortgage industry, some changes that are going on amidst the coronavirus epidemic. Debbie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Talk to me a little bit about things that we should have first and foremost when we're looking at the mortgage market right now. I just want everyone to know we are still in business and we're still doing loans. We want to close loans. We have closings. We want you to purchase things. We, we, we want to stay in business. Excellent. Excellent. With that being said, I know clients are getting incredible deals. We've got a client yesterday that just uh, locked a rate at 2.75% interest rate, unheard of. Nobody thought that was ever even possible. We've also got some clients that are locking rates a day or two before that were at 4.75. Talk to me a little right. bit about what's going on with this huge spread in interest rates. Well, the market is crazy. So when the Fed dropped the rate last week, it's it's bank money to bank money. It's not it doesn't trickle down to us necessarily. So not all lenders are giving us that discount. So yes, there are some rates at 2.8, but you got to grab them fast. They usually come out in the morning before the market goes crazy. So if you wait to lock a loan later in the day or later in the week, you're going to have higher rates than if you start at the beginning of the week in the mornings. Um, it's just the way the market flows. Um, a lot of lenders pipeline is very full that means that they don't want any more so i'm a broker i work with a lot of big big national lenders they're busy right now so they're keeping their rates artificially high to to quiet down their pipeline they've got to work through all those files so it's the some of the smaller lenders actually have better rates right now because they're trying to keep their volume up so it depends on who you're signed up with and how you're funneling the business. And it also depends on what your client's doing. So if you have an investor that's got great credit, um, he's going to get a better rate with someone that has multiple properties, has a harder file, has worse credit. So um, uh, between the refinances and the purchases, purchases are a little bit easier. So their rates are showing up better. It, it all depends on the company and your borrower. Now, Debbie... Uh, unemployment numbers coming out. It's now April and we're well over 6 million uh, claims for unemployment. And uh, Fred is actually estimating that that number could rise as high as 37% unemployment. The president has often talked about a loan forbearance or loan, uh, you know, not paying your payment for gaps of periods of time. Talk sure. to me about a little bit about how loan forbearance works right now and how that's going to affect your uh, your overall. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, I wouldn't do it if you don't need to do it. it, it what's going to happen is everyone's going to say they want to do it. But what happens is 120 days later, you're going to have to start making those payments and they can make you make all three payments at once. So, yes, you can put it off for 30 days, but do you want to pay 90 days in one lump sum? That could devastate some families, and it would. Um, also, the, the servicer may let you put this, the money on the back end of the loan, which doesn't sound bad at all. And, and if that's the case, yes, you could do it. But the government is going to find a way to where, like right now, I'm not affected by this. I'm still working. You're still working. A lot of us are still working. We don't need to take advantage of that because they might say, okay, then prove to us you were out of a job. Prove to us you were unemployed and you used forbearance. And if you can't prove that, you may not get forbearance, then you'd owe interest and the house payment. 
Mm. Now, what about uh, credit impacts? I know sometimes when we've got issues with uh, loan forbearance in the past or, or if you're going through a situation in which you put your mortgage payments on hold, that can affect your ability to get a new mortgage if you were to, say, sell that house and try to move to a new state. Are we looking at this impacting your credit score as well? We are. So UWM is a lender. Um, United Wholesale Mortgage Lenders are a great big company. And they keep putting out videos saying that, you know, we don't know the impact of what it's going to have on your credit score. Your file will be tagged with a forbearance, whatever that means. So whether it's a number seven on your credit report or something indicating that you accepted forbearance and you did that. That's kind of like going to a credit repair place to me if you don't need credit repair. But if you go to those places, you know, you get signed up, it's a knock on you when I go to do your credit because it just shows that you needed help with your credit. You're not responsible with your credit. So it goes against you. Some lenders won't lend to you. So I think it is going to be a big impact and that could, and no one knows how the lenders are going to see this, you know, two years from now, a year from now, or even a few months from now. So they're going to be making up the rules. We're kind of in uncharted territory. We're making up the rules as we go. Hmm. For the individuals that are trying to take a hold of the low interest rates, I know several folks are calling me going, you know, is now the time to strike? Are, are, how long are these uh, rates going to stay this low? Do we even know at this point? Is this a, a couple of months or is this a couple of years? What, what are we talking no, about here? Well, you know, when I talked on interviews back in late December, I said, you know, this is going to be a very volatile year for rates. So if you find a rate you like, you better grab it because it may not be here tomorrow. Had no idea about the virus, just <laughs> thinking about the political scene in general. So I have the theory right, just the reason wrong. Um, a lot of the political stuff is... Uh, you know, Trump is trying to keep the rates low. The Fed is on his side. We're back down to zero. The rates are going to be low all year. I think right now the rates are higher than they're going to be in a couple of weeks. So tell all the investors out there, listeners, don't lock yet. I have a lot of people floating because in a couple of weeks, the pipeline is going to be a little bit less in all the lenders and they're going to lower their rates again. That's what all the reps have been telling me. So I'm not locking rates if I don't have to. Not all lenders are allowing us to lock right now. And that's the scary part of the business. Hmm. That means I'm submitting loans without having an interest rate. So if your investor calls me today and says, Debbie, what's your best rate? One of my lenders is a very large lender is not allowing, I'm in Texas, so they're not allowing Texas to lock because we are in lockdown as a state. And if you're Man. a lockdown state, which most of them are going to, you cannot lock a rate right now with this one lender. So I'm just moving everybody to a different lender and locking rates. Um, you gotta be able to zig and zag. And so if your investors are savvy to find a broker that can have lots of choices for them. They're not just locked into one set of rules. But I would wait. I'm waiting for, for my clients two weeks. Two weeks. Okay, two weeks. Uh, we're, we're, the recording of this is April 1st, right around or April 2nd. So you're saying mid-April, uh, hold off. And, and what, what kind of rates should we be expecting? You know, when a client is going, you know, I got a good rate or this rate is great. What is that number right now? I think twos and threes are good rates. I have a lot of people at four and they're trying to refinance and, and if they're refinancing with, you know, 20 or 30% equity, just trying to, you've got to save at least a point when you refinance. Um, you may not be able to get that right now. So that's why we're waiting the two weeks. If your clients are bank statement loans, a lot of those non-QM lenders are not funding anything until the 13th of April. 
um, they've just shut their pipeline down from spending any money until they're on the other side of all this, which would be a couple weeks for them. Mm. Now, when we talk about first-time home buyers uh, using an FHA loan, what kind of changes have been facing them and also are self-employed? Okay, so for FHA, a lot of our first-time home buyers, you know, they're a little bit older now than what we used to see in the business. So they're in their late 20s, early 30s. Um, they've had some job histories. They don't have a lot of down payment money. And as times go on, I don't know how long this coronavirus pandemic is going to last, but they FHA and VA uh, can always change the rules anytime they want, which is what they did. So they're going to change the loan to value, which is, means their debt compared to what they owe uh, on the property. And it's also gonna change their down payment and where we can get it from. So I think they're making them uh, more solid as borrowers because you know, FHA, you only need three and a half percent to put down, which isn't a lot. So you don't have a lot of skin in the game. I have clients that are first time home buyers they, they don't want to put anything down. You know, they're looking for that USDA loan or a VA loan, and then they still have fees, and they're upset that they have fees because they don't even understand the basic financial picture. So we're doing a lot of educating right now. Also, um, people are getting gift money right now. First-time home buyers do show up to the table with gifts from their parents, um, and that's getting scrutinized as well. So we just have to be very careful and lay down all the scenarios and, and what I'm finding is borrowers don't tell you everything. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you know that because um, they don't know what to tell you. So if you don't have a loan officer asking a lot of questions, you may not get your loan done just because they don't know the answers until it's too late. Well, if I think there's I think there's a there's a belief in the industry that that when you uh, if you you know if it doesn't get caught in the application, it, you know they won't find out about it. Not understanding that buying a house Such is probably the, other than <laughs> traveling to space, right? Buying a house is probably right. the most invasive uh, check of your of your personal uh, finances. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. We've talked about first time home buyers. We've talked about interest rates. Let's talk about our jumbo loans for individuals purchasing in the five hundred and up, whatever five hundred and forty seven, I think is what it is right now. Right, anybody right. above that threshold how are they sitting should they hang tight should they take advantage of the low interest rates what what are they doing well you know uh, they're they're a double-edged sword so you think it's wonderful to get these loans but they have a lot of um, we call it hair on a loan they have a lot of stuff so they're maybe self-employed borrowers they probably ran into some financial issues um, they want to put down so the savvy borrowers today want to put down as little as possible to take advantage of the low interest rates um, but by doing that um, they're not as strong because they don't want to put as much money down. So they may want to put 20% down on their big jumbo loan, but that's still a lot of money. And then you're going to find that they always have issues too. So it may be a job lapse. It may be they're self-employed and you have to do a bank statement loan for them. That's what we're doing with a lot of our self-employed borrowers right now, bank statement loans. And so a lot of these jumbo people um, are going to have to lean now on first and second liens because the jumbos are gonna be really hardly, um, they're gonna be hard, hard scrutinized. It's gonna be very hard to get those through, especially unless you've been at your job 10 years, you're used to making $400,000 a year and you, you have a ton of money in the bank. Usually I find at any, any income level, you always want more than you can afford. 
someone buying a $600,000 house really can only afford a $500,000 house, but they're trying to eke it up there. People that can only afford a $130,000 house, you know, they, they are trying to buy a $170,000 house. So, you know, you always want to live just a little bit beyond your means. And I think the, the loan is really going to shut that down because they want to have more cushion, lower loan to value, and they want to make sure that you can make the payments if something happens for a few months. Do you have enough cash to float that? Well, certainly with the oil prices on their way to the single digits right now in both Texas and Oklahoma, uh, very oil, uh, I think 22% of our economy in the state of Oklahoma is oil and gas, and Texas just as much, if not more. Uh, what have, what's that been like to be processing these loans for uh, an industry that's that's on slippery slopes right now? You know, a lot of industries are on slippery slopes, and so are the investors. So I had three oil stocks a few months ago, and I got rid of them, and I, I did cash out, just full disclosure, I did cash out a lot of my um, IRA money uh, to put into real estate and to take it out of the market. Um, a lot of people put all of their investments in cash, and they're just holding them. So I think a lot of people are getting out. Now, there's a lot of people that they kept thinking the sky is falling and this is just a bunch of bull and it's never going to go down. The market can only go up. And um, they have lost 30 and 40 percent of their portfolios. They're not real happy right now. Um, but what we're seeing is employment, even in the coronavirus uh, scare, um, in all the industries, we have to verify employment not only when they first take the application, but they're verifying employment again right at the end before they fund the loan so they're wanting a guarantee the lenders are now wanting a guarantee and i don't know how we we get these all the time um landon to say that this is going to be job continuance and there is no chance that that person is going to be unemployed and hmm. employers are not willing to do that and i don't care if it's the oil industry i have a lady that's with trader joe's she's been with trader joe's 15 years and um, that she's getting a home. And now they want a verification through HR that she's not gonna be sidelined or losing her job in the, in the next six months. Well, they're not willing to do that. That's a big company. Um, all we can do is get a verification of employment. It used to be safe if you were a W-2 employee in any type of company, much more than self-employed. And what we're seeing now is the lenders have wised up and said, you know, <clears throat> they're not any safer than the self-employed are. Actually, they can be laid off for no problem of their own, just like what's going on. So I think that's gonna be very hard on the oil industry. One industry is not scrutinized more than another land in. Right now, they're all being scrutinized. So it doesn't matter if you're in the oil industry, or they just wanna make sure that you still have a job. But again, there's no guarantees out there right now. And so people are gonna find it much harder to qualify. Now, Debbie, you were featured in 2018 when we had natural disasters striking uh, the east coast of the United States. You were called on several mainstream uh, media networks to talk about the implications of those disasters on the housing market. How is this different from a natural disaster? The responses that the government's giving are very similar to what we would right. be doing during a natural disaster. Could you talk just a moment about the difference and, and what should we expect and how long? You know, I hate to scare people because I, I, I am an investor as well. So I'm, I'm right with your group. I have a, a lot that is uh, supposed to close next week over in Fort Worth around the TCU area. I'm also building an $800,000 house in that area that I'll be flipping the end of April. 
God willing. And so I have money tied up in real estate as well. Um, I think it's all location of where you're at, of what you're going to see in the market. You know, the, the Oklahoma, Texas um, areas are doing really well right now. And people are moving into our states. Um, if you're in a state where people are moving out of, you know, California, I wouldn't want to have property right now. Everything has really gone to a standstill. Um, real estate is always location driven. And, and I think if you've got a town that people are moving into, you're going to be able to sell your products and, and your investors are going to be able to get their houses rented and houses sold if they're priced appropriately. And um, I, I may have to take a little bit of a loss on my house that I'm getting ready to sell next month. I'm not for sure what the market's going to bear. I think this is a, a disaster that we don't know the ramifications of because what if our country decides to, to stay shut down another 30 days, another 45 days? You know, it's, I don't know if it's impacting your money yet, Landon. It's not mine because I'm still working. But at some point, you know, people are not going to, the banks aren't going to be lending people to build new houses. Um, it's going to be uh, only the people that have the deep pockets that are going to be able to do that. And I don't think people are, you know, my clients are scared. I had several refinance clients that they've lost money in their salaries. So one man was uh, doing an application with me and he found out last week he just lost 30% of his pay until this is all over. Um, so I said, well, hurry up and refinance now before you lose more and you can't qualify. And I'm trying to think of the bigger picture six months down the road. They're thinking for today and they're saying, I'm scared today. I'm not going to move. I'm going to sit here and hold my breath and hope nothing happens. And that's not going to, that's not going to save them. What we, I think we need to do as investors is be looking for six months down the road and know that people are maybe going to lose their homes. Now will be a great time to come off the sidelines with cash, pick up some of these properties. We're always going to have renters. Always. If you have a nice property, you're always going to have it rented. Is it going to be rented for top dollar? Maybe you're going to have to take a medium dollar instead of a top dollar, but it can be rented. So I still think the business is viable. I think our, our middle to low income families are really going to be hurt by what's going on. They're the servers. They're the workers um, that are going to be impacted and have been impacted with layoffs. So I think we're going to see the rental change a lot. Um, real estate will change some. And I think a lot of people are going to stay in their homes, but we may see foreclosures coming now because it, a lot of people, you know, Landon, they don't have very much money to float on. They don't have six months saved up and they're going to start having issues. And if you're an investor on the sidelines with cash, I think you'll be able to take advantage of that. I'm hoping to not hoping that anything bad happens to the families, but just pick up the real estate when things do go wrong and put it, put renters in there. I know we often talk about uh, the affordability index in the Midwest, as well as in Texas and Dallas, especially the market you're in, uh, just completely cl climbing beyond what is what we would call affordable anymore. I, I right. feel like this could potentially affect some of our affordable homes. I want to share some numbers coming out of March for Oklahoma. We waited till April 1st to really get the full snapshot as, as you understand, most loans close at the end of a month. You know, a lot of realtors right. like to try to plan those for, for a lower down payment and lower prepaid interest. So yes. the numbers coming in April 1st showed us that we had a 15% reduction in overall sales volume. However, Oklahoma City touched its highest per square foot average in history ever. 
We were 8% higher. We blew it off for as far as I could look back, all the way from uh, early 2000s when we started taking detailed records. We have never right. been that high. Also, the, the properties at 500 and higher that we were talking about, these jumbo loan properties, sure. hit the highest, they were 15% higher, or tw excuse me, 12.5% higher on the per square foot price. So I think what we're seeing here now is a weeding out of the uh, buyers that really aren't qualified to buy, and then mm -hmm. the buyers that are qualified, that know what they want, that are seeing the properties, they're taking advantage of the low interest rates, and they're going in and they're making these purchases. So yes, we're seeing a 15% reduction in overall sales, but for those sellers that have done the work, they get their house ready to sell, it's a good looking home. These things are selling the highest ever. We hit $214 per square foot median. Wow. We've never touched that. And that's for the whole uh, metropolitan of Oklahoma City. Numbers, I was shocked that we went over for the month of March. Now we'll see where we carry that into April as the, as the unemployment figures start to come out. But as of right now, we're seeing a much cleaner market. And talk just a moment about, and, and this is what I've heard from some other analysts, is 2008, right? The 2008 housing crisis was full of loans that weren't qualified buyers. They, they shouldn't have been qualified exactly. in the first place, which was what caused the issue. And now we have a totally different snapshot with Dodd-Frank, all the lending, tying in the regulations, we fought hard for the last five, 10 years to find buyers, qualified buyers for these homes. This is a totally different market than where it was in 2008. Talk about that for a moment, just on what the market difference is and why we shouldn't be expecting 20% losses on property values this time around. Yeah, we shouldn't, you know, so in 2008, I was doing, so you have to look at the loans that we were doing at the time. I was a broker at the time and it was no doc loans, low doc loans, stated income loans. So you had people working at Taco Bell. God bless them. I love Taco Bell. But, you know, they're I making, do too. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can get anything for five bucks and you can drive through really fast. That's right. And they're so, really fast now. They've really done great. Yeah, it's they amazing. have. They have. So nothing against Taco Bell, but I did have clients that work for Taco Bell, a manager and, and, a, and a worker there. And we did a stated loan. He was a manager and you know, managers make like sixty, seventy thousand dollars um, It was a stated loan though. And that meant that they didn't have to tell me what they made. Um, they had good credit. And so back in the day, and they got a $300,000 house. Now wow. that was because we stated their income. As a manager, you can state higher as an income. We had stated income for plumbers and electricians and anyone that was self-employed that had good credit. You could just tell me, you know, I know my taxes say I make 25,000 because my CPA writes it all off. But in actuality, I'm showing you that I make about 300,000 a year. I'm not telling the IRS that. That was the big disconnect. So they would pay a higher interest rate because they knew what they made. I saw what they made, but I didn't have to put that on the application anywhere. So nowhere in the loan documents does it state these people could afford the homes. I think that was kind of a disconnect. We had a lot of investors coming from California to Texas, buying up real estate on no doc loans. That means you basically had their name address and social, their home address, and they brought the money into closing. No documentation whatsoever. And they had higher rates. But they qualified because they could keep the ball rolling. And I think it was a card game. I think a lot of people got into places they couldn't afford. Now, with all the regulations, um, yes, they can afford it. They got through the scrutiny. Um, 
they they do have their three and a half or five percent down or ten percent down but you know there's a lot of people that still don't have a nest egg saved up like they should and that i think that's what worries people is that you know, I do cash out refinances just one last week. Um, the couple owed $80,000 in credit card debt. They only made 200000 a year. It took them maybe four years to accumulate all that debt, but they had the equity to, and that was what I suggested, just pay it off and start over and don't charge it up again. Um, the, can they afford their home? Yes. They're just restructuring their finances. He'd had a job layoff. So I think these are the things that we're going to see is job layoffs. And but we're not going to see the big turnover because those people were qualified. Now, if you're qualified and you lose your job for six months, you're still not going to be able to make your house payment, whether you got into the loan with a stated loan or you had 10 percent down. So I think we're not going to see the fallout because we've got more cushion now than we had before. But the borrowers still face um, job employment problems. Then it was just interest rate shock and not being able to qualify. Well, we've washed a lot of those people out. But I do think it's going to change the market. And I do think we're going to see more renters because people aren't going to be able to afford that, even that forbearance policy. You know, if you lose your job for six months, a lot of people don't have six months of pay. So I, I think we will still see problems, just not of the magnitude. And I think we've had money sitting on the sidelines. Probably your investors have money sitting on the side that they can invest in this now, where at that time everyone was maxed out because no one thought the bottom was going to drop. Excellent. Well, we've also seen people that have pulled their stuff out of the stock market waiting and now have decided that real estate really is the better uh, investment to get into. And we've got a lot of folks moving from the cyclical coasts into a linear market in the Midwest. We often yes. see that play out that, yes, we don't get incredible highs, but we also don't get the lows. I mean, that's right, the benefit right. of a very stable market that's based off of cash flow. And like you say, I do, and we've seen this, I do see an increase in, in people wanting to rent. And that's for two reasons too. One of which they're not going to have the cash, but the other crowd is, I don't want to be stuck in a town if I've got to s flip jobs quickly. We're getting Those into a new- yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. tele telemarketing, well, telecommuting market. Yeah. Talk about that for a second. Well, I just think that, you know, um, I can work anywhere. I could be in Mexico. Kind of wish I was in Mexico working, you know, at the beach. <laughs> My parents right now. were in Cozumel. They literally flew to Cozumel as this was happening. And they would have stayed there the entire time, locked there, because they were the only person yeah. there in an all inclusive yeah. resort. They had the whole yes. beach to themselves. And the I Mexican. For that. There you go. I well, the Mexican go government said America's making you guys come back. So they said the last planes tonight, they were literally there with like, I don't know, it was like 75 people and they ended up uh, having to fly back. It was just a crazy incident and now they're back in, in quarantine. So um, just Even go ahead and push the cord on the camera. in college, she said, mom, if I'm gonna be quarantined another month, can we get to Mexico? Is there some way we can get down there to the beach? And I'm like, I don't think so. I think we've missed that. Um, I, I really do think that this, um, this whole way that we're doing business now is going to 
to carry over. We don't have to have face-to-face -face meetings all the time. I have clients FedExing me documents or scanning them. We're doing this by Zoom. Um, a lot of meetings, you know, you watch the late night stuff. Jimmy Fallon has done his whole show the last couple of weeks in his home and through <laughs> Zoom interviews. So it can be done. Uh, I think wow. we, a lot wow. of us miss the, the physical interaction with people. But yes, I think this is going to show employers that they don't have to have a big building. I'm right now in a huge building and you must be too because I see the tops of trees. I'm in a five-story building. There's 10 of us in this mm -hmm. building, mm -hmm. 10 mm -hmm. of us. And I'm in a little executive suite at the very bottom. So I, I, I can get my talent pool. My processors are in California. And and I think this is going to show employers that you can be, get a bigger talent pool that you don't have to hire local. You can hire anywhere in the country. And with a computer and Zoom, they can do their jobs. They can attend meetings. And I, I think it's really going to change the way we work. These young millennials, they already know this and have been wanting this and been pushing towards this. So a lot of companies are geared towards this. All of my lenders are working from home. My closing departments are at home. Um, my reps are at home. Everybody's at home and it's still getting done. So I think we are probably old school a little bit much. And, and we're going to find out that, uh, yeah, you can rent. Uh, I mean, right now I'm renting because all of my money is tied up in investment properties. My Both my kids just went to college. And of course, they, they just came home too. And that wasn't supposed to happen. But um, I, I'm finding different ways to utilize my money. And right now, a big five-bedroom house is not the way I need to utilize it. I'd rather put that money to work with investment properties. So I think people will redo the way they think about money and the way they think about their home um, with all of this and the way they commute. Well, Debbie, there's definitely a change coming away from uh, commercial inventory for sure. We, we're going to be seeing, we've already seen that started with the Amazon and retail apocalypse, but I think that'll be more and more. And that's something we definitely want to save for another episode. Staying on residential though, the transition has been to virtual tours. Now, Redfin and uh, Realtor.com and now Zillow has started promoting virtual tours. Is virtual right. tours the future of the market or is this just something that's going on right now? Well, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook just like you are. And I think uh, a lot of my agents are saying, you know, you can find a spouse um, on the Internet uh, or through dating apps. You can buy a house that way, too. And, it, and it's true. That's you, you can get a good feel for the way a house looks on a virtual tour. I still think we want to walk in the house and experience it and see how we're going to feel in that house. It's not all just optics. Um, but tours are making it possible for people to transfer to Dallas really easily from whatever coast they're coming from. And a lot of people are buying homes sight unseen just by virtual tours. And then they close and they go visit their new home. So it is being done, but you've got to be pretty forward thinking. A lot of old school people still want to walk through, touch everything, see it. Um, but you buy your clothes now. Everything comes through Amazon like that. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be a good mix. You're going to see the real estate agents, though, start falling by the wayside if they're too old school and they're not able to either afford it or they think that it's necessary because clients are going to demand it. If I were selling my house today, I would want a virtual tour up. I don't want to have an open house. I don't want strangers tromping through my house. And that's what shut down a lot of the real estate market here is um, they can't all hold open houses. Well, you don't get a, a lot of looky-loos in the open houses um, that are qualified. Some of them just
just want to look. Some of it's nosy neighbors that just want to see in your house. I would rather have a qualified person. I'd rather have virtual tours than have open up my house to strangers. And I think you're going to see the, the move towards that within light of everything that's going on. It's going to slow down the process, but they will be better qualified. I think agents that can't afford it or don't want to do it will just not be employed anymore. I just don't think people will choose them. But I do think it is the wave of the future. I think all like we buy our cars, you know, every car dealership in our town is saying that they will you can test drive a car, they'll bring it to you, then they'll bring you the paperwork back if you want to buy it. Heck, you don't even have to go to the dealership now. Now some people want to walk around and touch all the cars. Others know exactly what they want and they want it driven to their house, swap it out at work and move on with their day. It's a it's a different type of buyer. And I think we're going to see more of those type buyers as times get busier and people don't want strangers around as much. Well, you know, you know, the success of Amazon Prime is the return policy. So it'll be interesting to see in the future if you can have a 30-day try before you buy in real estate. Uh, and I think the first company to create such a scenario would be pretty interesting to see a seven-day try it out. And then after seven days, if you don't like the house, then uh, we'll put it we'll back on it the back. market. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if that hits. Well, uh, Debbie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. We are out of time. I want to definitely keep you in the loop. You are a fantastic resource for our oh, listeners. Uh, Debbie Bloyd here, mortgage broker specialist and CEO of DLB Financial Services. You can find out her information in the links down below. And as always, for market information in the Midwest, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Thanks, Debbie, for coming on the show. Hey, I had a great time. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com.